Hello and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com. And the title of today's show is Canada Update, Russia and Ukraine, and Clinton in Trouble. And today's date is the 23rd of February. 2022. So I'm going to start with an update on the situation in Canada. Um, I covered this extensively in Saturday's show, um, titling it Canada Goes Full-On Tyranny or Totalitarian. Um, Really the awful, horrifying videos uh, that were shown of the uh, Canadian police violently arresting and attacking the protesters, the peaceful protesters. And so it continues. So um, I'm going to start with an article by Breitbart. And I'm going to, again, go through things in chronological sequence as much as possible. So this is, as I said, from Breitbart. It was published on the 21st, so that was Monday. And the title is, uh, Justin Trudeau insists on emergency powers despite no active protests. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau insisted at a news conference on Monday that his government still needs the unprecedented emergency powers he demanded this month, even though police violently removed the Freedom Convoy protesters from Ottawa and no active freedom convoy protests are currently occurring. And there is a video of his news conference um, in this article. This state of emergency is not over. There continue to be real concerns about the coming days, Trudeau said on Monday, claiming there were signs the freedom convoy truckers could regroup and return to Ottawa. People are out there indicating that they are ready to blockade, to continue their illegal occupations, to disrupt Canadians' lives. We feel that this measure needs to remain in place, he said. Invoking the Emergencies Act has been necessary. Law enforcement agencies relied on it to set up secured areas in downtown Ottawa and at border crossings. It prevented foreign money from continuing to fund illegal blockades and it's making sure our borders remain open. It has been the responsible thing to do, he argued. Trudeau said invoking the Emergencies Act was necessary because the police needed more tools to restore order after weeks of dangerous and unlawful activities. Honestly, this guy is lying through his teeth. After weeks of people being harassed in the neighbourhoods, after evidence of increased ideologically motivated violent extremism activity across the country, the Prime Minister complained that a flood of misinformation and disinformation washed over Canada during the protests and said the Freedom Convoy received disturbing amounts of foreign funding to destabilise Canada's democracy. You can't harass your fellow citizens who disagree with you. You can't hold a city hostage. You can't block a critical trade corridor and deprive people of their jobs, he said, while insisting he still respects the right of Canadians to criticise his policies. 
Trudeau questioned the judgment and patriotism of lawmakers who might vote against his extension of emergency powers, claiming their opposition indicates they don't trust the government to make incredibly momentous and important decisions at a very difficult time. Al Jazeera News noted that Trudeau promised only last week that his emergency measures would be time-limited, geographically targeted, as well as reasonable and appropriate. So uh, Trudeau, of course, this little petty little Hitler is uh, continuing on, lying, as I said. There was no violence from the protesters at all, which uh, really shows up the lack of justification for the violent way that the police um, took down the the peaceful protests. Um, and so this was written before the decision was made by the House of Commons in Ottawa whether or not to, to approve the emergency powers. Thing is, he put all these things in place before it was even approved, which is very, very questionable. And as I said, he's obviously trying to justify the um, passing of the Emergency Act um, based on a load of absolute barefaced lies about the protesters. So anyway, the Parliament did debate this on Monday. And Breitbart again reports on this um, tyranny. Canadian Parliament votes for Emergencies Act motion. Again, this was published Monday. The Canadian Parliament voted Monday night to approve Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's motion to invoke the Emergencies Act by a vote of 185-4 and 151 against. Trudeau invoked the act, an unprecedented move, last week claiming it necessary to dispel peaceful protests linked to the Freedom Convoy movement, which is demanding an end to civil rights violations by the Trudeau government allegedly necessary to fight the Chinese coronavirus. At press time on Monday, no active Freedom Convoy protests exist anywhere in Canada. The motion to uphold the invocation of emergency powers by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau passed in a vote in the Canadian House of Commons on Monday, with the Liberal Party and the NDP and other allies garnering 181 votes for the motion. The motion was opposed by the Conservative Party of Canada and the separatist bloc Quebecois and their allies, who voted against it with 151 votes, broadcast to CBC reports. The passing of the measure in the House of Commons is the first step towards confirming the use of the Act, which allows the government significant powers. And Breitbart News again tweets, Canadian elites are taking their victory lap for crushing the Freedom Convoy's peaceful protests for human liberty. Uh, the Emergency Act was invoked for the first time in Canadian history to halt Freedom Convoy protests across the country, which included blockades of border crossings in Ontario, Manitoba and Alberta, although all of the border blockades ended before the Emergencies Act was formally invoked last week. Instead, the Act was largely used to clear protests in Canada's capital, Ottawa, over the weekend, and was used to freeze the bank accounts of those linked to the protest. It was also used to force tow truck companies to remove trucks in Ottawa 
occupying the area around the Parliament buildings after the government had trouble hiring tow truckers previously, as many allegedly refused. Earlier in the day on Monday, Prime Minister Trudeau defended his continued use of the Emergencies Act, despite the fact that all of the protests had been cleared or had ended prior to its invocation. Breitbart News again tweets, Canadian banks will receive the names of people involved in Freedom Convoy protests that have descended on the nation's capital, a first step in a financial crackdown on demonstrators being instituted by the far-left government of Justin Trudeau. This state of emergency is not over. There continue to be real concerns about the coming days, Trudeau said, and added, people are out there indicating that they are ready to blockade to continue their illegal occupations to disrupt Canadians' lives. We feel that this measure needs to remain in place. Invoking the Emergencies Act has been necessary. Law enforcement agencies relied on it to set up secured areas in downtown Ottawa and at border crossings. It prevented foreign money from continuing to fund illegal blockades, and it's making sure our borders remain open. It has been the responsible thing to do, he said. The invocation of the Emergencies Act has been widely criticised by civil liberties groups, such as the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and the Ontario Civil Liberties Association. And Breitbart London tweeted, Before Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian history, police had difficulties finding tow truck operators willing to tow trucks and other vehicles. Now the government can force tow truck operators to carry out the work. The federal government has not met the threshold necessary to invoke the Emergencies Act. This law creates a high and clear standard for good reason. The Act allows the government to bypass ordinary democratic processes. This standard has not been met, the CCLA said in a statement last week. And that is the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Governments regularly deal with difficult situations and do so using powers granted to them by democratically elected representatives. Emergency legislation should not be normalised. It threatens our democracy and our civil liberties, the CCLA noted. The Alberta government, led by Conservative Premier Jason Kenney, has also filed a court case against the use of the Emergencies Act. Kenny argued that the measures were disproportionate and violated natural justice. In order for the, fact to, for the Act to be fully passed, it must also face a vote in the Canadian Senate, according to the text of the Act. A debate in the Canadian Senate is expected to begin on Tuesday morning, the Toronto Star newspaper reports. And Breitbart London again tweets, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's crackdown on the Freedom Convoy movement has drawn criticism from the liberal-leaning Economist magazine, which, which urged the once darling of the establishment to stop trying to police thoughts. So that's the um, latest news I have on the Emergencies Act. And I'd just like to cover this other article. It was actually... Uh, published Saturday, so it's before this uh, this ruling was made on the Emergency Act. And it's from Conservative Brief. Canadian reporter warns his nation is in a civil war. 
a Canadian reporter issued a chilling warning to the rest of the world at what he believes is happening in Canada. Toronto Sun reporter Joe Warmington appeared on Fox News on Saturday and warned that his nation is engaged in a civil war and that its Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is a tyrant. Canada is a police state at this time. It's like within a police state. There's no rule of law. It's now in the hands of the Emergency Act, which is the War Measures Act. Just by donating $25 to the truckers' convoy puts you as an enemy of the state. It sounds like Cuba or China. That's kind of what's happening in Canada, he said. It's a civil war is what it is. They will finish this job whatever it takes. I was just talking to a driver who said guns were drawn. Look, the Prime Minister has made it clear. These people don't matter. They're unacceptable. And of course they do matter. They matter to everybody. They have freedom and they haven't done anything wrong other than parking their trucks there, honking the horn, the reporter said. They suspended the debate in Parliament on the Emergency Act that allows all this to happen. This is not rule of law. This is martial law, he said. The Daily Mail reported... Canada's Parliament suspended Friday's debate on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's emergency powers, sparing the Liberal leader another day of uncomfortable speeches from MPs who fiercely oppose his use of the Draconian Emergencies Act. MPs were told on Thursday night that due to the exceptional circumstances of police closing in on Freedom Convoy protesters, they needed to avoid the area around Parliament for their own safety. Trudeau continues to face tough opposition in Parliament as he battles to maintain his emergency powers in a crackdown on freedom convoy protesters. Canadian police on Friday moved in to break up the more than three-week-old freedom convoy demonstration in the capital of Ottawa, as video and photos of the action posted on social media appeared to shock many people. Police used tear gas and horses to break up the protest, and in doing so, authorities appeared to trample one elderly woman using a walker, as well as running over other protesters with mounted officers, the Daily Wire noted. Numerous others were tear-gassed. Around the world, individuals reacted with disgust to the tyranny on display in the Western nation, the outlet continued. Reports noted that while the police crackdown initially was peaceful, by evening in Ottawa, it had, it had turned more confrontational and violent. Many of the crowd control measures implemented by Ottawa police were caught on video or camera. And it's got the video of the mounted police trampling on this um, lady with the walker and another protester in the crowd. Um, Ian Miles Chong tweets Trudeau is stamping out freedom one trampled protester at a time remember Ottawa remember this image remember what Trudeau did to Canada internet commentator Ian Miles Chong wrote in a tweet along with a picture of two protesters one next to a walking device who had reportedly been knocked to the ground by police officers on horseback video he posted appeared to confirm that and it repeats that tweet that I've already read to you. Uh, Trudeau is stamping out freedom one trample protester at a time. More news of the police violence is reported by Blaze News. 
Canadian trucker beaten by police during Freedom Convoy says cops broke my body a little bit, but not my spirit. And this was published yesterday. A Canadian trucker brutalized by Canadian police said that while they may have broken his body, they'll never break his spirit. Ottawa police beat the trucker, a Romanian-born Canadian of 20 years, after he said he peacefully surrendered to them over the weekend. What's a brief history here? Ottawa police on Sunday put a stop to remaining Freedom Convoy demonstrations after Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act. According to reports, authorities arrested at least 191 protesters and towed a minimum of 57 vehicles since invoking the act on Friday. What are the details? Saba Vizzi told Fox News' Tucker Carlson that he didn't expect to square off with the police during Freedom Convoy demonstrations. Viral video showed police repeatedly striking Vizzi as he was on the ground, apparently complying. I got down from my truck. I went down right on my knee. I put my hands behind my head, Vizzi told Carlson. I was waiting for them to take me away. In that moment, the police officers, they started to punch me with those sticks. They were yelling to me, go back, go back. And I just told them, hey, I'm the driver. Vizzi said that while he doesn't recall how many officers were on top of him, he took it like a man. They drag me in, they lie me down on my belly, and I don't, I don't recall how many were on top of me. I felt like I was beaten, but I took it like a man, Vitsy recalled. They broke my body a little bit, but not my spirit. And it's got a video of that actually happening. What else did he say? Vizzy told Carlson that this isn't the Canada that he knows and loves. Those who are willing to give their life for this cause need much more than being threatened with arrest, with fines, with losing insurance, he insisted. I moved to Canada. Everything was wonderful. I was so happy. I said, geez, that is so nice. Everything was beautiful in the last 20 years, I can say. But the last two years, it's like impossible to live here anymore, he added. And it's got a tweet here from Greg Ree, R-E, this footage shows one of the many police beatings in Ottawa during the government's ongoing crackdown on peaceful protesters. It was shot this morning by a bystander named Brian Kanabrowski. Now, one of the interesting things that's been reported um, by people on Twitter and other social media platforms is that there's a suspicion that a lot of these so-called police were actually UN troops and it was claimed by one of these uh, commenters or documenters that they couldn't speak English. So, you know, the question is, did Trudeau bring in UN troops to help with the crackdown? Um, I don't know whether we'll learn the truth about that, but another thing that came out was a series of uh, chat comments from members of the mounted police that were basically applauding when this uh, woman was trampled by the horse, um, even to the point of saying, oh, maybe we need to practice that manoeuvre. So, you know, it just really shows up the calibre of the people that they've got in the police forces that are willing to perpetrate this extreme violence on peaceful protesters. Um, something they should be thoroughly ashamed of. 
There's another article, again by Breitbart, talking about the violence during the arrests. This was actually published um, on the 20th, so that's Sunday. Um, it says the Canadian authorities have made dozens more arrests in the capital city of Ottawa as they moved to crush the anti-vaccine mandate freedom convoy. We have arrested 47 people. That brings the total so far to 170, said Steve Bell, the interim chief of police for the city of Ottawa, in his latest press conference on the ongoing operation. As we continue to take back our streets, City of Ottawa crews and other municipal vehicles came into the area to clean up and tow away all of the demonstrators' possessions and vehicles, he bragged. When we deployed our officers this morning, you saw the public order units on the ground sweeping across the downtown core from east to west and moving demonstrators out of the parliamentary precinct, he went on, stating that officers continued to face resistance while doing so and that at one point a flare was ignited by a protester. In response, he confirmed officers used a chemical irritant also known as pepper spray to disperse unlawful demonstrators who were resisting police orders. And it's got some images of the police in all their riot gear and with truncheons and everything. Pictures from the Canadian capital show police in military-style garb and armed with rifles as they move against the Freedom Convoy, supporting other police in more traditional riot gear armed with batons and crude wooden clubs. This is tough work, said Interim Chief Bell, claiming that officers were doing what they've been trained to do and have demonstrated unparalleled discipline, restraint and the utmost professionalism. I commend them for their actions yesterday and throughout the day today, he declared, heedless of footage showing mounted officers knocking down and appearing to trample an elderly woman with a mobility walker, which went viral on social media prior to his conference. I'm proud of them and all the members of our police service that have contributed to this operation, Bell insisted. And it goes on and shows more images of the arrests going on. This is actually a Canadian effort, Bell said, of the anti-convoy operation, explaining that the crackdown was Ottawa-led, but supported by law enforcement from across the former British colony. We have officers from across the province and country here to help us. Every person supporting this effort is proud to be here, he declared, suggesting that there is little hesitance among officers about enforcing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's emergency powers clamp down on protesters. Police have a vital role in our democracy and this operation shows our institution's commitment and ability to maintain a lawful society, Bell insisted, in remarks likely to raise eyebrows among those who believe the Canadian state's use of emergency powers to disperse a protest sometimes literally at gunpoint is indicative to a slide towards authoritarianism in the COVID era. Members of the press gave the police chief some mild pushback on his claim that his men have acted with restraint, with one asking, with respect, sir, can you explain what appears to be excessive force by police officers when a protester is arrested? There is multiple videos on social media showing police delivering blows with their knee and their fists 
while the protesters are down. Is this necessary? Bell claimed he had not specifically seen the videos you're talking about, despite their having gone viral and Canadians and others from across the globe having flagged them with Ottawa Police's highly active social media accounts. And then it shows a tweet from Mackenzie Gray, a live stream of the police moving in on protesters after securing Wellington and Metcalfe shows one officer kneeing a man four times while he is held on the ground by two other officers. Bell offered little incentive for the remaining members of the Freedom Convoy to go quietly, telling members of the press who asked if he would attempt to take punitive actions against protesters who followed police instructions to abandon their demonstration that they would still be hunted down. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely, the police chief warned. This investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level, leaving little doubt that members of the Freedom Convoy will be made an example of, regardless of whether or not they departed peacefully. It will be a complicated and time-consuming investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over, he vowed. And again, more images of... Um, the so-called police, these are the ones that I think um, have been suspected as being UN. I mean, they're in military-looking uniform. And as I reported on Saturday, um, they don't have their numbers or their name to identify who they are, which um, I believe is illegal, as otherwise you wouldn't be able to report somebody for excess violence. And then there's an all, another um, image showing a woman having her eyes treated um, after presumably having been pepper sprayed. So um, it says, it's got an editor's note, an earlier headline for this article alluded to police using tear gas against protesters. While some reports have indicated that tear gas was deployed, the authorities have said that only pepper spray and stun grenades were used. Um, I don't think anything is justifiable against this, these peaceful protesters. And, you know, we're, we're looking at 1984-style um, speech here. I've forgotten the term that George Orwell used. But, you know, it's, it's like the opposite of what the truth is. It's, as I said on Saturday, it's absolutely horrifying how far these people have gone in under Trudeau's so-called leadership to break the law, in effect, against these peaceful protesters. Because it set a precedent that says, you know, you actually do not have the right to peacefully protest against your government, which is in that charter um, that the Canadians live under. So Trudeau is absolutely breaking the law of the land in the way that he's dealt with this situation. And then we have another report, again on Sunday, and this is from CBC Canada. 
Sell vehicles towed during protests to cover city's costs, says Watson. Emergencies Act gives city that power, Mayor, Mayor says. Ottawa's mayor says any vehicle seized during the police crackdown on the occupation of the downtown should be sold to cover costs incurred by the city. We actually have the ability to confiscate those vehicles and sell them, Major Jim Watson said Saturday. And I want to see them sold. I don't want them return, the return to these people who've been causing such frustration and angst in our community. The mayor told CBC News that Ottawa has that power due to the Emergencies Act, which was invoked by the federal government last week. Watson said he's been pleased by the level of professionalism shown by law enforcement since officers began stepping up their efforts Friday to clear the protest. But he also said he worries about demonstrators who have been taunting police, being completely irresponsible and don't want to seem to leave. Police officers from several forces across the country retook Wellington Street from protesters Saturday, clearing the crowd around the National War Memorial, herding them away from the parliamentary precinct and then down O'Connor Street. As of Saturday afternoon, 47 more people have been arrested, bringing the overall total to 170. Dozens of vehicles have also been towed. Judging from the rest of the article, this is obviously the fake news brigade because it then covers all these uh, residents supposedly complaining about um, the way that the protest has inconvenienced them. So they're quite happy to give up all their freedoms. Um, they'd rather not have a bit of inconvenience. Um, there's also another report from the same source uh, cbc conservative senator says friendly patriotic ottawa protesters have been demonized police have launched more than 100 protest related investigations conservative senator denise batters is pictured in an undated photo the saskatchewan senator says friendly and patriotic demonstrators have been unfairly maligned by the chattering classes and um, it goes on, Batters, who was photographed posing in front of convoy trucks gathered in Ottawa during the protest, said she didn't experience any of the harassment that locals complained of during the week's long occupation. I can say that in the last two years, I never felt safer walking home from my office at night. The protesters I met very much reminded me of the people I know in Saskatchewan, friendly, hardworking, patriotic Canadians, she said. While she said she sympathised with Ottawa residents who had to endure constant noise during the demonstration, Batters said she only saw peaceful and non-threatening demonstrators when observing the crowd from her Senate office, which faces Wellington Street, the centre of the now-disbanded occupation. I do not tolerate harassment, intimidation or destruction ever, but I can honestly say that I personally did not see any of that behaviour exhibited by the protesters. She said, what is the national emergency this time? Dance parties and loud horns? Ottawa police have launched well over 100 criminal investigations related to the demonstration after receiving more than 1,000 calls for service from local residents. And so it goes on talking about um, the criticism of the demonstration. And as I've said, um, the crackdown 
isn't limited to this violent um, behavior by the police forces. It also relates to um, financial retribution. And this is from Epoch Times. Canadian lawmaker claims single mom had bank account frozen after giving $50 to Freedom Convoy. This was published yesterday. Canadian politician Mark Strahl on February 20th claimed that a single mum with a minimum wage job had her bank account frozen after she legally donated $50 to the Freedom Convoy. Strahl, a Conservative, took to Twitter to criticise Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for the Emergencies Act, which was invoked for the first time in Canada's history to address the impact of the ongoing protests against COVID-19 mandates and restrictions by truckers and their supporters. Brianne is a single mom from Chilliwack working a minimum wage job, Strahl wrote on Twitter on February 20th. She gave $50 to the convoy when it was 100% legal. She hasn't participated in any other way. Her bank account has now been frozen. This is who Justin Trudeau is actually targeting with his Emergencies Act orders. As I reported on Saturday, um, the Give, Send, Go account or website was hacked and the hackers um, got access to all the uh, details of the donors to the Freedom Convoy. And they actually published them online, uh, which is presumably where the banks have got this information from. And, you know, we also have to hold these banks accountable for the actions that they're taking against these innocent people by, you know, blocking their access to their own funds. It's, it's just beyond belief in my book. Strahl was soon pressed by other Twitter users to provide further details and verification regarding his claims about the single mother and her allegedly frozen bank account. However, the Chilliwack Hope MP refused to do so, stating that he did not want to publish identifying information about the woman online that could be used with malicious intent. Thank you to those who have read this and offered to help someone you've never met, he wrote in a second post. Shame on those who have read it and attack someone you've never met. I will keep working with Brienne to resolve this matter with her bank and will provide updates as they are made available. He added, to those of you, especially the media, demanding more details on Brianne, having seen what has been said about her online today and what has been done to other convoy donors in the last weeks, I am not going to help you dox her. I know who she is and I won't stop fighting for her. In a statement on February 21st, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said account freezing powers under the Emergency Economic Measures Order, Emergencies Act, pertain to individuals who were influencers in the illegal protest in Ottawa and owners and or drivers of vehicles who did not want to leave the area impacted by the protest. At no time did we provide a list of donors to financial institutions, RCMP said. We are now working with the banks to build a process to address the accounts that were frozen, RCMP added. I'm not going to read the rest of the article because I want to move on, but basically they're um, explaining that they didn't intend to target donors, but 
obviously somebody has authorised this. So the other major piece of news this week is relating to Russia and the Ukraine. And Kamala Harris was sent over to Europe to supposedly get involved in what was being discussed around um, the Ukraine and Russia. And she didn't do a very good job, which is hardly surprising. Uh, This is uh, Gateway Pundit. More on Kamala's horrible performance in Europe. She looked weak while making claims that made no sense. This was Monday. Kamala Harris said in Europe that sanctions would absolutely deter Putin from invading Ukraine. This was after she first said he made up his mind on invading Ukraine. The people running the White House are way out of their league. Joe Biden is senile and is being led by handlers after stealing 2020 election. VP Harris might be even worse. Over the weekend, Harris went to Europe and gave a major speech about the situation between Russia and Ukraine. Her speech was a train wreck. In his speech, President Zelensky said that someone is lying between either Biden and Harris or Putin. We're not sure who he believed was lying. And the previous Gateway Pundit article was linked to, it said Kamala Harris looks totally out of place at Munich meetings. Ukrainian President Zelensky calls out Joe Biden, someone is lying. Harris, during her speech, showed no courage and made no sense. (laughs) A tweet from Cat Turd, I love Cat Turd on Twitter, laughing my ass off, what a shit show. And... That's replying to a tweet by Jack Posobiec. Reporter, will sanctions deter Putin? Kamala Harris. Within the context then of the fact that that window is still opening, although open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open. That's the actual quote. Fox News reports Vice President Kamala Harris on Sunday said she believes sanctions on Russia would absolutely deter President Vladimir Putin, despite she and President Biden saying that he has already made up his mind on a potential invasion. Harris made her remarks to reporters at the Munich Security Conference in Munich, Germany, amid fears of a Russian invasion in Ukraine. The vice president called the sanctions some of the greatest sanctions, if not the strongest, that the US has ever issued. As I articulated yesterday, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions and individuals, and it will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government, Harris said. Harris was asked by a reporter if she felt the looming threat of sanctions would deter Putin, despite saying the president has already made a decision on Ukraine. Absolute, we strongly believe, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies, and the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment, Harris said, according to the White House. Fox concluded by reporting, Russia has said that it has no plans to attack Ukraine. What a mess our government is in. Biden and Harris are horrible. And then National File reports, red alert, Putin orders invasion of Ukraine. This was yesterday. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered so-called peacekeepers 
to enter Ukrainian territories held by pro-Russian secessionists, the latest alarming turn in the growing conflict in Eastern Europe. The escalation follows Putin's recognition of two breakaway pro-Russian states in eastern Ukraine as independent countries. Putin signed a decree recognizing the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic on Monday. The decree authorized the deployment of Russian troops to the Donbass region, a geographic term that encompasses both Donetsk and Luhansk. Population centers of the two regions are held by the secessionists, who have received tacit backing from Russia for years. It wasn't clear in the West on Tuesday when the Russian government intends that the peacekeepers enter Ukrainian territory or if its forces have already moved in. A vaguely worded decree signed by Putin late Monday did not say if Russian troops were on the move and it cast his order as an effort to maintain peace, the Associated Press reported Tuesday morning. However, another AP report Tuesday quoted a European Union official as saying Russian forces were already in Ukraine. Russian troops have entered in Donbass, EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell said in Paris, according to the AP. We consider Donbass part of Ukraine. Putin had delivered a lengthy speech Monday attacking Ukraine's historical claims of nationhood, describing the country as a creation of Vladimir Lenin's Soviet government. President Joe Biden has sought to deter Putin from invading Ukraine, with a crisis between the two former Soviet countries intensifying since last year. Ukraine aspires towards membership in NATO, a development that Russia finds unacceptable. Russia has consistently demanded guarantees from Western governments that Ukraine be excluded from the military alliance. In response to Russian recognition of the two secessionist republics, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced that Biden is preparing an executive order to sanction investment and trade in Donetsk and Donbass. Washington Post national security reporter John Hudson published a Twitter post describing that move as bad news for U.S. investors looking to get in on the ground floor of a hot Donetsk or Luhansk investment property. The Biden administration has failed to rally European NATO allies to stand more forcefully against Russian ambitions regarding Ukraine, with Germany refusing to forego a natural gas pipeline to Russia as a means to deter Putin's aggressive conduct. While still a candidate for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020, Biden touted his ability to deal with Putin forcefully. He's got a screenshot of that tweet. Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee, Biden wrote. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe-to-toe with him. Ha. Okay, so that's the end of that article. Now, I've mentioned Patel Patriot and Devolution series uh, before, He's just put out a report uh, yesterday, Devolution Part 17, from Ukraine with Love. Now, I don't have time to read this because it's a very long report. Uh, I may actually include it on Saturday. Um, I'll just read you the first part of it because it really puts some context into all of this. 
We're all trying to make sense of the madness in Ukraine right now. It's nearly impossible to do so without a free and fair press, as well as a legitimate administration calling the shots. One thing we do know for certain is that Ukraine is the epicenter of decades-long political corruption. Trump entered office knowing Ukraine would be a major battleground in his war against the deep state. As he did many times before, he made the proper moves and implemented the executive order necessary to dismantle the corrupt network. In this article, I will give you a clear idea of how Trump defeated all this fraud and corruption. First, a recap. Biden's and Burisma. Before I really dig in, let's get a refresher on Hunter Biden stroke Burisma situation because it provides crucial context to the story. On September 23, 2020, the Senate Homeland Security and Finance Committees released a report on their joint investigation into Hunter Biden's role on the board of Ukrainian natural gas firm Burisma Holdings. And so it goes on to show the uh, executive summary of that and all the other documentation. So the reason I wanted to share that is to remember the Biden's involvement in Ukraine and the corruption uh, related to their involvement, not only in Burisma, but other things. <laughs> we know it was Biden who actually stated a quid pro quo to the um, president of Ukraine at the time about firing the um, prosecutor looking into the Burisma organization. And of course, they projected that onto Trump, accusing him of a quid pro quo, which led to the first impeachment attempt. So there's more to this than meets the eye, in my opinion. And as I said, I'll probably go through the whole of this report on Saturday's show. So on to the Durham report or the Durham investigation. Um, this is a report from Conservative Brief. More damning evidence services against Hillary Clinton in Durham probe. And this was published yesterday. We know she's been trying to wriggle out and deny all these claims that she was involved and implicated in the, um, the spying on Trump and his office and other members of his team. Um, this does have a disclaimer that it's an opinion piece. Uh, when it comes to the narrative that former President Donald Trump made a Faustian deal with the Russians to steal the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton, there is one ever-present condition that cannot be ignored. All roads lead back to the Clinton campaign. Now that special counsel John Durham's investigation into how this conspiracy theory began appears to have gathered steam, the former first lady, senator and defeated presidential candidate might be on the run from infamy and suspicion, if not from actual legal jeopardy. She has chosen to emerge from a semi-private life to lash out at Trump once again. But a question must be asked. If there's no there there, why even bother? Having recently refused to address the issue when confronted in New York City by a Daily Mail reporter, Clinton soon took to Twitter with a response to swirling rumours in conservative circles that the walls are closing in on her campaign's efforts to discredit her presidential rival. Trump and Fox are desperately spinning up a fake scandal to distract from his real ones, she tweeted. 
presumably referring to the efforts of hyper-partisan New York Attorney General Letitia James to pin charges on the Trump family relating to real estate business deals. Trump, his son Donald Trump Jr. and daughter Ivanka have been ordered to testify before James's office. Liberty Nation has reported extensively on the Russian collusion hoax since it first attracted the spotlight. From the very beginning, this saga brings to mind Bacon's Law, a game enjoyed by movie buffs, otherwise known as Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, in which enthusiasts attempt to divine connections between a random movie and the actor. Briefly, this involves establishing a sequence of six professional or personal relationships between Bacon and anyone connected with the film in question. Examining the details of the Trump-Russia collusion theory uncovers an undeniable pattern. Everyone involved in the discovery, investigation and promoting of this unlikely fantasy was either working for Clinton's 2016 campaign, promoting her as the preferable victor, or desperately trying to prevent Trump from becoming president, as Christopher Steele, the creator of the Steele dossier, admitted. Steele, a former British intelligence officer, was paid by a US-based law firm to gather information damaging to Trump. That law firm was Perkins Coy, which was receiving payments at the time from the Clinton campaign. One of the three individuals indicted as a result of John Durham's findings is Michael Sussman, a former partner in a prominent law firm. No prizes for for guessing which one. This is only one example of the six degrees of Hillary Clinton. There are many more and few, if any, require as many as six connections. It now seems that Mrs Clinton feels it necessary to clear her name in the court of public opinion. Whether she will have to do the same in criminal court is unknown, but unlikely, I hope it's not unlikely, she really needs to face justice. Going forward, it will be interesting to see whether Clinton brushes off this fake scandal, in quotes, or continues to push back against it, which could tell the American people a great deal about her guilty conscience or lack thereof. All the while, Durham continues his work and what comes of his ultimate conclusions might convince the nation that the political class is indeed above the law or maybe, just maybe, some people in high places will finally get their comeuppance. Holding one's breath is not advised. And it was published with permission from Liberty Nation. Um, I think we're all hoping that Hillary Clinton faces justice and also Bill Clinton for his involvement with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, Certainly that would be good news, I think, to all of us that support actual justice. I also want to cover this op-ed that was also published on Conservative Brief. Um, John Durham sends a major message to Attorney General Merrick Garland, and this was published earlier today. An op-ed published by The Hill on Tuesday lays out what makes special counsel John Durham's ongoing investigation into the origins of the Trump-Russia collusion investigation significant. The piece by Kevin R. Brock, a former assistant director of intelligence for the FBI, an FBI special agent for 24 years, and Principal Deputy Director of the National Counterterrorism Centre, who now serves as a security consultant, begins by noting that for a year and a half the country did not hear much out of Durham 
after he was appointed late in former President Trump's term. Aside from indictments regarding peripheral figures, it looked to many of Trump's supporters as though not much was going to come of Durham's probe, and, in quotes, that elites higher up the stack are going to get away with their chicanery, Brock wrote. The problem for Durham is that these perceptions were providing the Biden DOJ with increasing political top cover to shut down the special prosecutor's office as an unproductive, politics-driven exercise in futility that is wasting taxpayer dollars, Brooke continued. If Durham were to be terminated, the American people might not even push back much, since no one had a clue whether his investigation was bearing meaningful fruit, he wrote. Brock went on to note that Attorney General Merrick Garland has already moved to undercut Durham by undertaking measures to repair the reputation of former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, who had been fired during the Trump administration. But, he added, Durham could not simply hold a press conference and divulge the inner workings and findings of his investigation. So instead, he used a rather innocuous court filing on February 11th that actually contained a number of bombshell revelations tipping his hand to his findings. Brock writes, Tucked inside the court filing, John Durham laid out a good chunk of the case he's building, and it was stunning. Durham revealed the outlines of a corrupt conspiracy by operatives linked to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. The exposed conspiracy allegedly made a contrived, fraudulent, and shocking attempt to entice the FBI and CIA to use their powers against the rival Trump campaign and presidency. This recent filing by Durham was designed to have two effects. First and most important, he has now made any decision by the President or Attorney General to dump him much more difficult to undertake. The last time a President fired a special prosecutor who was making significant progress, he lost his presidency. Second, Durham has signalled to the American people that his investigation has legs despite perceptions of plodding inertia. He has provided hope that accountability in D.C., rare as a MAGA sticker on a Prius, actually might happen. Durham's filing triggered hyperbolic conjecture on the right and nervous silence on the left. Don't be distracted by reactions driven by politics. Look at the actual words Durham used. They're troubling enough on their own. Brock then honed in on the factual background portion of the filing in which Durham expounded on information that led to the indictment of Michael Sussman, an attorney who is linked to Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign and stands accused of lying to the FBI. Durham says that Sussman brought information to the Bureau in September 2016 in which he said proved there was a direct link between then-candidate Trump and Russia in order to get the FBI to launch a probe. The special counsel said Sussman falsely told the Bureau he was not presenting the information on behalf of any particular client, when in fact he was billing Clinton's campaign for his time. Brock continues, Sussman's defence attorneys now argue, in effect, that even if he lied, the lie would not be material because the information was valid. But the lie would be quite material because Sussman allegedly was asking the FBI to expend costly resources to investigate his claims. 
If he concealed the clients on whose behalf he evidently was acting as Durham charges, he would have fraudulently deprived the FBI of facts that would have helped the Bureau decide whether it was worth investing taxpayer dollars on an investigation. Knowing Sussman's true affiliations was clearly information the FBI deserved to know. In addition, despite the Sussman attorney's assertions that the information he possessed was bona fide, Durham makes an interesting case why it allegedly wasn't. At this point in the factual background section, he expands on the role allegedly played by tech executive One, now known to be Rodney Joffe of Newstar, one of the country's most powerful tech companies you've probably never heard of. Durham's description of Joffe's alleged activities does not paint him in a good light. According to Durham, Joffe exploited Newstar data and other friendly sources to help him, in quotes, establish an inference and narrative, end quote, tying Trump to Russia, and that he allegedly did so to please, in quotes, VIPs within the Clinton campaign and its law firm. Sussman happened to be Joffe's attorney as well. Joffe, in this scenario, isn't an independent whistleblower. He's a partisan whistlemaker. Durham could only know all this if either Joffe told him or the sources Joffe approached for help disclosed those conversations to Durham's investigators. Neither reality can be comforting to those involved, Brock writes. It is particularly damaging because, if true... Joffe appears to have unethically and possibly illegally turned over proprietary government data to a civilian third party. Brock concludes that given what Durham has recently disclosed, there are more than sufficient grounds to allow him to continue his probe. And may he continue and um, indict the people up the line from these lowly operatives and we actually see justice being done i mean hillary still hasn't been held accountable for um bleach bitting her laptop with all the subpoenaed emails on it and uh you know trump did promise us she'd be in jail well let's see this actually happen so that's all i have time for this week um or at least today Uh, i will be back on saturday with another update We'll see what happens between now and then. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And I hope you'll join me for my next update on Saturday. Another Cosmic Creating show. Just a reminder, you can find me at the successalchemist.net, which is my intuitive spiritual success coaching uh, website. And also the webalchemist.net, where I develop websites with soul mainly on the wordpress platform and also empower manifestation which is my book on manifestation and as usual thank you to nancy for producing so again i hope you'll join me for my next cosmic creating show and i want to wish you a very happy rest of the week and stay safe be well and bye for now You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.